Welcome to the Dollars and Cents Radio Show with your host, accountant and author Carol Topp, the homeschool CPA. Carol takes confusing topics such as money and business and puts them into clear English. She's ready to share her knowledge with you on today's show. Hi, this is Carol Topp from Homeschool CPA back with another episode of the Dollars and Cents show. And this podcast, like my podcast recently, have been focusing on getting information to you as homeschool leaders. And in this episode, I am talking to homeschool leaders at a homeschool convention, the Great Homeschool Convention in Cincinnati, Ohio in 2018. And there were lots of questions about insurance. So you'll hear some of the homeschool leaders in the audience asking questions about insurance, using waivers, whether you can be covered on the church's insurance policy or not. So you may not hear the leaders, the audience members asking the question, but you'll hear my reply. And I hope it's very helpful to you as you run your homeschool organization. And as always, hop on over to homeschoolcpa.com for more information on how to run your homeschool group successfully. Start your program. You know, advertise it. But again, it seems like people just hear about your program and you don't have to advertise hardly. Um, get an EIN. I already said that earlier. It stands for Employer Identification Number. It is like a Social Security number for your organization. Businesses get them. Nonprofits get them. It, you get it for free from the IRS, irs.gov. Um, if you want some help, if you have any questions about it, better to email me at homeschoolcpa.com or get this book. You can come down to my booth, number 306, and see it called Money Management Homeschool Organization. I show you what the IRS will ask you. I will help you fill it out properly. Better do it properly than like, well, I didn't really know what that meant, so I just checked. No, please. Okay, so you get that number from the IRS. You take that number to the bank. You take it with this paperwork saying, I am a nonprofit corporation in my state. Here's my bylaws. You take all that stuff to the bank to prove you're a nonprofit, and they'll let you set up a checking account in the group's name so you're not using somebody's Social Security number to open up your checking account. Okay? And probably a website, Facebook group, whatever. Okay, yeah. Oh, that's a really interesting. Okay, let me see if I can understand what you're asking. You say a nonprofit was set up at some point. Maybe it was a nonprofit corporation in the state. They even have 501c3 status from the IRS. Can you basically use that? It depends. I would have to find out what that group's mission and purpose was. Was it to rescue animals? Then that group can only rescue animals. If it's educational, then you could probably... So you have to investigate what their purpose was, what they told the IRS they were organized for, and what their original articles said. I or an attorney would still have to look at it and to determine if it's if you can have groups form underneath that very broad umbrella. Okay, so true story, and then I'll get your question. So this woman emailed me and said, we now want to have our leadership sign statements of faith. I believe she's like in California or one of the West Coast states. She now wants her leaders to sign a statement of faith. So I pull out her paperwork, and I said, when you filed your articles of incorporation in your state, you said you had two purposes, educational and charitable. You never said you had a religious purpose. She told the IRS. They told the IRS, we are educational and charitable. They never said religious. Can this group require the leaders now to sign a statement of faith when they never said they had a religious purpose? I don't know. Guess what I did? 
Darren's on speed dial. I, I, I said, Darren, this per- I send in this person to you because you're the lawyer and you can sort that out. So it's very important that if you have a religious purpose, put that in your articles. Those three are the typically ones that I encourage groups to say those three purposes. And this is from the list of seven that the IRS has that can get 501c3 tax exempt status. Educational. We're all, we're all educational because we're homeschool. So, charitable, probably, if you want to have some kind of benefit or benevolent fund or, or do some sort of charity work. And some of you are religious, have a religious purpose. This group, for whatever reason, when they started, didn't. I don't know what it's going to take to add a religious purpose now. I don't know. This is for me and the attorney to figure out together with this group. Yes. Yeah, you know, she's saying you're, you're investigating a co-op that doesn't seem to have some of this stuff set up. You know... And that's that's lovely, isn't it? I, it's lovely to have a bunch of moms who homeschool together, and that might be just great. They might run into what Kendall was talking about, though, an explosive growth. So you might want to say, you know, your, your program is great. Are you planning to grow? You know, I want to make sure you're going to be around, you know. And I'm just a little nervous. Have you guys ever heard of this lady named Hulk Carroll and her stuff? So, you know, try to encourage them. Or if they really are just a nice small group of moms gathering together, that's beautiful. And they may not need to go to this level, but chances are if they're taking if they're taking a check written by you or PayPal or something, yeah. It's it's unfortunate that we can't just have that nice little group of they still exist, families who just get together, but they gotta stay really small. How big is this group? Oh, then it's more like a glorified play group. Yeah, but tell them, hey, if you ever start collecting money, there's some stuff you need to do. And they're going to find out when they go to the bank and try to get that EIN. And the bank says, well, where's your EIN number and where are your bylaws? And all of a sudden they're going to go, ah. Right. If, if you're not collecting money, you're just a bunch of people meeting. I call it like, I call it sort of like 80 of your friends went out to dinner. Right? Did you need a checking account? Did you need a name? Did you need a board budget? No. You're just eight friends going out to dinner, pooling your money. Fine. A play group. Good old fashioned play groups, right? It's when they start taking money that usually sorry, it's the CPA and me, but I always follow the money, right? But and and we're dealing with the IRS and taxes and all that stuff. That's usually seems to be the trigger that starts these wheels rolling. Yep. What point do you need to get insurance when you're nervous? <laughs> the fact that you asked. I don't know. What do you guys think? If the church doesn't cover you under their policy, you got to self-insure. You know, the church you meet in has a building worth at least $250,000, probably a million. You can't, and if you, if, you, if you forget to unplug the coffee pot and the church burns down, who are they going to look to? Right, so you need insurance. So ask the church, are we covered under your insurance policy? Then, are you, ner- are you getting nervous? You're getting nervous. I'm getting nervous for her. You getting nervous? Insurance is supposed to reduce your risk. It's supposed to give you that feeling like I'm covered. And I, it's showing you're responsible for taking care of the church's property. I'm surprised they're letting her meet there without. But maybe, maybe they'll cover you, so ask them. They didn't require you to have insurance. But then they're not covering you under their policy either. So are you nervous? I'm nervous for you. 
It's like it's like we don't want to put our faith in the insurance policy. I get that, but we're called to be wise as serpents and as innocent as doves. So you go back to your board and discuss it and see what they think. Oh, good one. Okay. What are you looking for in insurance? Um, it's a very good question. So over at homeschoolcpa.com, under the resources, there's an article about insurance. And you could read that in depth. But when I was doing research for that article, I interviewed a couple insurance agents. And I interviewed one who was also married to a woman who ran a large homeschool program. So it's like homeschool dad, insurance agent. Okay, good. So here's what he told me. There are three kinds of insurance. Uh, one is called general liability. The, a second insurance agent called it fire, fireproof insurance. Basically, when the coffee pot gets plugged in and you accidentally burn down the church, it protects the property that you're using. General liability. There's a, there's a company called Homeschool Insurance Solutions. You can Google Homeschool Insurance Solutions. They sell ins- general liability policies to homeschool groups. But you can, might also find, you know, State Farm or other insurance companies might cover your nonprofit. You tell them your nonprofit. Sometimes those general liability policies have a little bit of the second kind of insurance you might want, which is medical insurance. They might have a little bit of coverage, meaning limited. But if a child got hurt, okay, you would want some medical coverage in case the health insurance company says, happened on your property, I want you to pay for whatever, broken leg. But, but the second policy would be a, a more robust medical policy. And that you should probably have if you're running a sports program. Maybe if you're running gym class. I don't know, okay? Uh, that Homeschool Insurance Solutions, they have a quite robust medical policy linked with their general liability policy. So I think their premiums are a little high because of that. I asked one time, could you decouple these for groups that don't have a high risk of you know, medical injury? She said, no, we think it's important to have high medical coverage. So you're going to pay a little bit more for that. Okay. Uh, the third kind, homeschool groups rarely need, but it's called D&O, for it stands for Directors and Officers Insurance. And it is what nonprofit board members get to protect them. So remember that limited liability? That limits the lawsuit to the corporation. Remember that? So you individual leaders' assets are not taken in a lawsuit. But what the insurance does is pays the damages if the not-for-profit is sued. Okay? The directors and officers as the leaders are covered. Now, what this insurance agent dad, homeschool dad, told me was most of these D and O policies, directors and officers policies, are not needed by small homeschool groups because most of the lawsuits brought against nonprofit boards are for two reasons. Employees who were wrongfully terminated. Well, we rarely have employees. And if we do, they're probably part-time seasonal right? So they're probably not going to sue you because you fired them, okay? Or sexual harassment in the workplace or a workplace that is conducive to harassment. Doubt that's going to happen in a homeschool group as well, mostly because, again, we probably only meet a few days a week. We probably don't have an environment of sexual harassment. We're usually 98% women, right? Okay. Just the truth of the matter is the risk of a lawsuit that directors and officers insurance would cover is very low. So most homeschool groups don't have it. Phew. Is that it? Is that what you wanted? Okay. 
Thank you for joining the Dollars and Cents Radio Show with Carol Top here at the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. For more helpful information, visit Carol at her website, homeschoolcpa.com.